From national news in D.C. to behind-the-scenes coverage of the Nebraska Capitol, this is your Capitol Connection. And now, bringing the Capitol to you, here's your host, Nate Graz. America's wokest corporations lobby against a anti-China bill banning imports from regions that use forced labor. Justice Alito delivers a stark warning about our country, and the Supreme Court hands down rulings on government restrictions with major implications for religious freedom. We'll get to all this and more on this week's Capital Connection. As always, we are broadcasting from the Nebraska Family Alliance studio in Lincoln, and we have a lot of stories to cover today on government, policy, and culture. And I have to start today by talking about the story, not getting near enough attention, that some of the biggest corporations in America hope that you never hear about. Companies like Apple, Nike, Coca-Cola, and others have secretly been lobbying behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., trying to weaken a bill that has sailed through the House of Representatives and is currently pending in the United States Senate that seeks to ban the import of products made by forced Uyghur labor. In China right now, there are more than a million Uyghur Muslims being held in concentration camps, and there have been well-documented reports of just unbelievable human atrocities taking place, forced labor, rape, abuse, forced abortions, sterilization, uh, just egregious human rights atrocities being carried out by the Chinese Communist Party. And after months of prodding by international leaders, the U.S. State Department and members of Congress have decided to act. And in a rare display of bipartisanship, they condemned China's genocide and the American brands who have been profiting from it. And by an overwhelming vote of 406 to 3, the United States House of Representatives took powerful action banning imports from the region in China, where it is, again, not not just believed, but known that over a million Uyghurs are being held in concentration camps and being forced to engage uh, in all sorts of, of terrible things, including forced labor, uh, apparently for some of these major American companies. This piece of legislation also would uh, provide sanctions on those who are responsible for this, as well as bar U.S. companies from using imprisoned workers. Congressman Michael McCall from Texas pointed to some of the truly heinous discoveries that have been made including that in July, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, quote, seized a 13-ton shipment of human hair from the forced labor system in China. It's sickening. We must refuse to be complicit financially or otherwise. However, some of America's richest companies aren't quite so willing to go along. Tech brands like Apple are quietly working behind the scenes to keep their supply chains open and try to water down the bill before the United States Senate takes a vote. Last week, the Washington Post broke the news that lobbyists for Apple have been quietly trying to weaken the bill. Anonymous Hill staffers told the Washington Post that there is a major campaign underway to water down the legislation so that Apple's manufacturing line isn't affected. And it isn't just Apple, but Costco, Coca-Cola, Patagonia, and Nike are also involved in these efforts to try to undermine the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. And of course... These are the same companies that here of home have been parading around these social justice messages and bragging about their you know, donations and work uh, to, to promote equality for all, 
all these catchphrases that, that sound really nice as they, uh, you know, ram their social justice messages down our throats and all of their advertising. And then these same companies are helping fuel probably the, the worst human rights abuses that we're aware of in the globe. And, and it would appear that this isn't just one paper grasping at straws for a story. The New York Times has now also reported on corporate lobbying efforts aimed at watering down the bill. And Business Insider came out with an astonishing report saying that, quote, Nike, Coca-Cola, and Apple all sought to weaken proposed legislation aimed at barring United States companies from relying on the forced labor of Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities from this region in China. The bill would, quote, ban U.S. companies from importing a wide range of goods where China has been accused of mass human rights violations unless companies can prove that the goods weren't made using forced labor. And according to a Nike spokesperson, uh, they, w- they went on to say that Nike claims it was simply having, quote, constructive discussions with key staffers about the bill. So really, this is a, a very simple bill uh, about the most basic of, of human rights and ensuring that companies in the United States aren't using forced labor and profiting uh, off of slave labor. And Nike says they're only trying to have constructive discussions, but they're not out there championing this legislation or promoting it, and we know they're not urging Congress to pass it. So we can you know, only imagine what those constructive discussions are really about. But thankfully, this bill is expected to pass despite Nike's efforts and, and others. Again, it sailed easily through the House, and it is believed it will be presented in the Senate as soon as the next session begins. And I hope that it does pass. It, it, it absolutely needs to pass. Uh, it shouldn't even be a question, but with these reports uh, of this lobbying going on behind the scenes from these corporations like Nike uh, t- to weaken and, and water down this bill, it's all the more reason to pass it. And when it does pass, uh, it won't change the fact that this mega corporation that is well known for promoting social justice has uh, appeared to take a position against social justice on the issue of Chinese forced labor. So when it's convenient for them to promote and be about social justice stateside, and they're willing to do that uh, probably because they believe it's popular and will be profitable for them to do so, but it evidently is not profitable uh, for them to support justice when it comes to forced labor in China. And of course, Nike is the same company that just last year hired former professional quarterback Colin Kaepernick to headline an advertising campaign using the slogan, quote, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. But in March of this year, Nike was named in a report from the Congressional Executive Commission, which claimed that Nike and Coca-Cola, as well as major brands such as Adidas, Campbell's Soup, Costco, H&M, Kraft, Heinz, and others were suspected of relying on forced Chinese labor, which begs the question, if that's not true, if they don't have something to lose if this legislation goes through, I mean, this seems like a pretty easy bill, a pretty easy, easy issue for them to get behind and to champion. But they're not, which is incredibly telling. And something that we need to keep in mind, because these companies would love for nothing more for this just to maybe be talked about a little bit uh, and then for people 
just to forget and for them to be able to keep doing what they're doing. This is hypocrisy at its finest. All these companies, you know, they, they've, they're all about publicly proclaiming their social justice messages and they promote it here in the United States and they donate and champion and, and, and advocate for all these progressive causes. Uh, you know, earlier this year, we talked about how Disney, uh, how recently they had threatened to leave and never film again in the state of Georgia if Georgia passed a pro-life law protecting the lives of unborn children. And then it comes out that this year uh, they decided to go film the new Mulan live-action remake uh, in China in the exact region where, again, more than one million Uyghur Muslims are being held uh, in concentration camps. And then they actually thanked the Chinese Communist Party for the privilege of getting to film there in the film's credits. It's repulsive, and it it needs to be remembered. And Nuri Turkle, who serves as commissioner for the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom and is chairman of the board for the Uyghur Human Rights Project, recently he sat down with Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council to discuss this issue and about the reports of the lobbying taking place behind the scenes against this bill banning imports from Chinese regions where forced labor is known to be occurring. And this is what he said about what Americans need to understand about this issue. So why are these titans of social justice here in the United States working to aid China's persecution of Uyghur Muslims? Joining me now to talk about this is uh, uh, my fellow commissioner at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. He is the uh, chairman of the board for the Uyghur Human Rights Project, Nuri Turkle. Nuri, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me on, Tony. Uh, Nuri, are you surprised that you have these American companies working behind the scenes to water down this legislation that would bring attention and aid to the persecuted Uyghur people? Uh, to be, be, to be uh, 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 frank with you, that um, I am somewhat dumbfounded that they have been investing resources and money uh, to lobby against this bill. Uh, this is this bill uh, bears the name Uyghur, but. This is about uh, who we are as a country. Uh, you know, it's a matter of conscience. Uh, it's a moral issue, economic security issue, national security issue, uh, because this is uh, closely tied to a, a, a consumer products, uh, as simple as a mask, uh, protective equipment being used in the hospitals, baby pajamas sold in uh, Costco. Uh, sneakers sold in Nike stores, even some of the computer components uh, being utilized in our offices at homes these days. So uh, this is the, the American business uh, uh, leaders need to do some soul searching. Uh, the United States Congress is not out there to uh, go after them. We simply uh, trying to address this modern day slavery through this legislation to clean up the global supply chain that the Chinese Communist Party polluted uh, through this uh, uh, forced labor program. What, as we speak, uh, the United States remained to be the largest destination for uh, pr- products produced in the Uyghur region. Based on the research uh, done by uh, strategic, uh, Center for Strategic and National Studies, the United States uh, import, export value of uh, volume from that region 
uh, to the United States during the period of April 2019 through 2020 has increased by 250%. This wow. is in the face of all the, uh, the unprecedented historic uh, decisions made by the current administration. The Trump administration uh, added uh, 48 entities to the entity list, sanctioned this paramilitary by the name Xinjiang Production Construction Corp, uh, with over 3 million paramilitary troops uh, stationed in the Uyghur region, with over 800,000 shell companies around the world, and, uh, and, and the targeted sanction against the Chinese officials, and this legislation being uh, uh, discussed in the uh, deliberated in the United States Congress, this is nothing but tone depth, depth by the uh, American businesses. This is not solely the U.S. business issue. Let me make, make this very clear. We want it to be helpful. We want American businesses to do the right thing. Right. But this is also has to do with global uh, economic environment. We have companies like Volkswagen. We have companies like Hugo Boss, H&M, that are not U.S. companies that have been also implicated in this uh, modern-day slavery issue. And it's not just those corporations. I, I had uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on um, not too long ago. We were discussing this. And it's also the consumers here in the United States that we need to be educated knowing where some of these companies have compromised or they have this hypocrisy and they are benefiting from the forced labor of the Uyghur people. And we just need to refuse to do business with them. Exactly. Uh, Secretary Pompeo has been an extraordinary leader in this effort. Uh, his department issued business advisory. Uh, as a capitalist market economy, we cannot manipulate how businesses operate, but we can provide them a moral guideline, as uh, Secretary Pompeo has done. Uh, there's an existing laws addresses uh, the forced labor issues, but that's insufficient. Okay, so what we just heard, that is exactly why this legislation needs to pass. It's why it received over 400 votes in the U.S. House of Representatives, and we'll keep you apprised of uh, that bill's progress and hopefully ultimate passage. And really, this issue, it, it points uh, to what, unfortunately, we know is unfolding uh, across the world today. Uh, there was a, a report released in November by Pew Research Center that found that there has been a 50% increase in government restrictions on religion across the globe between 2007 and 2018, the most recent year studied. And such a dr drastic number indicates that religious freedom is on a downward spiral across the world. And this is incredibly troubling, and it presents a myriad of security, economic, and foremost human rights challenges for the millions of people who live under governments that are tightening restrictions on peaceful religious practices. So for world leaders and advocates to successfully begin addressing these issues, it's critical to understand what is happening around the world and what is driving this severe increase in attacks on religious freedom. And Ariel Del Turco, who is an international religious freedom expert and a friend of the show who we've had on multiple times, she, she put out a new article uh, describing four takeaways from this new research that uh, people need to be aware of and, and understand uh, to have a better grasp of, of this issue and, and, and what we're facing right now. And so four, four of her t takeaways from this uh, new report is that, number one, government restrictions on religion are rising in Asia. 
Asia and the Pacific had the biggest increase in the amount of government restrictions on religion in 2018. Pew researchers found that governments used force against religious believers in groups in 62% of countries in Asia, including detention, displacement, abuse, and even killings. Asia is a worsening hotspot for religious persecution. Of course, again, as we've talked about, China has this massive campaign of mass detention of Uyghur Muslims and other religious minorities in North Korea. They remain probably the, the one of the world's worst uh, persecutors of Christians. And blasphemy and anti-conversion laws across Asia restrict individuals' rights to choose and change their faith. These developments are all concerning and all deserve the world's attention and advocacy. Number two, authoritarian regimes pose the greatest threat to religious freedom. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Pew Research found a strong association between authoritarianism and government restrictions on religion. Around 65% of countries with very high government restrictions on religion have authoritarian governments. In contrast, no countries with very high government restrictions were classified as full democracies. Again, this isn't surprising, but it points to why uh, why it matters so much, the, the type of government we have and why we need to fight to defend our, our freedoms and liberties in, in our model of this constitutional republic that we have in the United States of America that has made religious freedom uh, not only our, our, our first uh, right and our most cherished right here, but really the United States has become a beacon of religious freedom for the entire world. Takeaway number three, Middle Eastern countries have both high levels of government restriction and social hostility to religion. Targeted religious believers in Middle Eastern countries endure governments that impede their freedom to practice their faith and face private groups or individuals that regularly harass or abuse them. This is a deadly combination, and it is indicative of the severe challenges faced by believers throughout the entire Middle East. And lastly, takeaway number four, harassment due to religious remains high around the world. Harassment due to religion occurs in 185 out of 198 countries globally, the vast majority of the world. While this is slightly down from the previous year that was studied, the number of countries where Christians experienced harassment also uh, did rise. And the harassment includes everything from not only verbal abuse, but to physical violence and killings, which are motivated because of a person's religious identity. And it is Christians who reportedly face the most harassment for their faith worldwide. Ultimately, all of this should be a, a huge wake-up call to the world uh, and, and leaders that religious persecution is at the highest point it has been in the past 11 years when Pew Research has, has tracked it. And things are getting worse, not better. And that is tragic for millions of religious people around the world just trying to live out their faith. The persecuted, especially those living under highly restrictive authoritarian regimes, are often unable to speak for themselves. And so it falls then to those of us in free societies to speak up on their behalf. And that's what we must endeavor to do to continue praying for and speaking for those who aren't able to, to speak for themselves. And so lastly, in wrapping up the show today, I want to talk about religious freedom and free speech in the United States. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's a lot of uh, important things that are coming down from the United States Supreme Court about this issue. 
And what we can never afford to do is, is to take our freedom of religion and, and freedom of speech for granted. And in fact, last month, in an address to the Federal Society National Lawyers Convention, Justice Alito delivered some serious and stark warnings about the direction of our country and how those rights are being treated. He touched on government restrictions, religious liberty, the Second Amendment, free speech, and bullying of the Supreme Court by United States senators. And Justice Alito made a case for how each issue contains elements that contribute to a slow erosion of our liberties. Speaking on government restrictions, Justice Alito said, quote, The pandemic has resulted in previously unimaginable restrictions on individual liberty. Now notice what I am not saying or even implying. I am not diminishing the severity of the virus's threat to public health. I'm not saying anything about the legality of COVID restrictions, nor am I saying anything about whether any of these restrictions represent good public policy. I'm a judge, not a policymaker. All that I'm saying is this, and I think it is an indisputable statement of fact. We have never before seen restrictions as severe, extensive, and prolonged as those experienced for most of 2020. Justice Alito went on to warn of the, quote, dominance of lawmaking by executive fiat rather than legislation. And on religious liberty specifically, he said, quote, it pains me to say this, but in certain quarters, religious liberty is fast becoming a disfavored right. This was a powerful and important speech from a sitting United States Supreme Court justice, and he took a lot of heat for what he said from uh, those on the left, but it, it needs to be remembered. It, this is why we need a, a robust defense of the First Amendment. Thankfully, we've started to get good news on religious freedom from the Supreme Court starting on Thanksgiving. The court ruled 5-4 to four against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo on a case that was brought by Catholic and Orthodox Jewish worshipers in New York who sought to overturn restrictions that had been imposed uh, in a harsher manner on uh, religious organizations and, and churches and synagogues than on other secular organizations. The court's majority ruled that Governor Cuomo overstepped his authority and the Constitution when he arbitrarily declared that during the COVID-19 pandemic, worship services must be limited to a number he created himself. As Cal Thomas pointed out in an article for the Daily Signal, when government sets itself up as the ultimate authority on all things, including the right to gather and worship freely, other liberties can quickly be at risk. In China and elsewhere around the globe, dictators view God as a challenge to their rule. They demand total fealty, or those who seek to go over their heads with appeals to heaven must be arrested, jailed, and in some instances killed, that the almighty state be preserved. A Wall Street Journal editorial also commented on the court's decision, saying, quote, The court explains that New York's order treats houses of worship more harshly than what Mr. Cuomo considers essential businesses. Those include liquor stores, bike shops, acupuncturists, lawyers, accountants, and more. And that is exactly right. And this good news continued when last week the Supreme Court again stepped in to strike down California Governor Gavin Newsom's ban on indoor worship services. If religious liberty crumbles, all other liberties crumble with it. And that is why it must be fought for, protected, and preserved. To stay up to date on the latest news impacting family, freedom, and life, 
And to learn how you can partner with NFA to defend religious liberty and advance family values, visit NebraskaFamilyAlliance.org. That's all the time we have for this week. I'm your host, Nate Graz, Policy Director for the Nebraska Family Alliance, hoping you'll join us again next week. Thanks for listening to your Capital Connections.